Welcome back to Noise Avocation Podcast, the weekly show on all things music-related. I'm Ryan, here with Jeremy, as always. What's good? What are we, an episode ahead here? Yeah, so hopefully by the time this comes out, hopefully everybody enjoyed the Majesty's interview that we did with Tanner and Carl. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun and very technical. Very informative. Learned a lot. Yeah. I even got lost in a couple spots. I uh, also <laughs> needed a flashlight. Yeah, but it, but it was good. Like, yeah, it was a lot I, of fun. I liked seeing that much into their creative process, so it was cool to let them take over the show and uh, get all the inside details that we had. But anyway, today's a new day. So today we have, oh, before I jump into that, social media stuff you can find us at noise avocation podcast on facebook noise avocation on instagram and youtube email us at noise avocation at gmail.com uh, my personal instagram is at soundwave slave and jeremy yeah, is hold fast underscore 517 at instagram spell it out say it every time i'll get it eventually i hope so Everything Somebody hit me up. <laughs> everything's uh, on hyperlinks in the episode descriptions. So all you lazy people that don't want to type this shit, you can just go click it and it'll take you right to it. But today we have Dan with us from Coalition. Uh, this has been a band from Detroit that was around from 2000 to 2004 and has been split up for a while now. But if you're instagram savvy and have been checking out anything related to them you've seen dan posting a bunch of old coalition stuff as far as uh people's collections of merch that they've had seven inches seven inch variants cds show stories talking about uh shows in basements and just places that they've seen them and what a lot of great photos yeah and dan's been very active at posting quite a few photos every single day it seems like almost every time i open up my phone my algorithm throws me a coalition picture yeah, me too and which is cool because i like seeing all the photos and leading into the episode it was cool to see all that stuff popping up and everybody talking about their memories of the shows and um, what like when they seen them where they seen them how it affected their life what they've collected and whatever yeah definitely but before we get into the interview here uh, for Anybody who's unfamiliar, we're going to play a track from their album Breaking Point, which uh, happens to be my personal favorite. The track is called You'll Never Know. Uh, this album has been out for 20 years this year and will have its 20th anniversary in June. And it's up until recently been kind of hard to stream anywhere if you yeah. don't, if you didn't have physical copies or a dubbed version or mp3s or something you know it's just hard to find so it's cool to see that this stuff's getting out there more but anyways this is you'll never know off the album breaking point by coalition <laughs> Thank you. 
here with us dan thank you for jumping on the show and taking the time to do so well thank you guys so much it is really an honor to to be invited to talk about a band that meant so much to me (laughs) so i can't wait to hear what you guys have for me oh yeah we always have a whole bunch of little things for everybody we interview we put some time into everything so i have like some funny personal things that i remember from when you guys played that you know i'll bring up later I was hoping you'd say that because I like man coming to Alpina was such a shock for us in in the best possible sense. Oh, so, anyways, we'll, there we'll was talk about that like, later. I can't wait to yeah, hear what yeah. you say. Okay. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, I just want to say a uh, shout out to Jason Zalikowski, OG Ogre, who used to put those shows on. Ah, uh, Jason, thank yeah, yeah. you. I remember. Uh, I hope I'm remembering right. I let him have. I didn't tell him it was the one I was going to keep, but my my Judge ripoff shirt that I was going to keep for myself. But he was so cool and booking our shows. I was like, no, this is for you. <laughs> oh, I wonder. He probably. I'm sure he has it. Oh, sweet. I, if you do, Jason, please send me a picture of it. I'm trying. I'm trying to just document everything. Yeah, I know, saw that early um, as Judge possible. ripoff shirt. The other day, I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot about that." Because my uh, our friend Cole had one of those shirts, and I no remember, way. I remember that to this day. You know, if he still cool. has it, I doubt it. Yeah, for sure, for uh, sure. Might, yeah, somebody's got to have it somewhere, and just getting a couple pictures that will just uh, make me super happy. Awesome. So, tell us um a little bit about the how the band formed. Oh yeah, so yeah, I was like turn of the century right (laughs) that sounds so epic but yeah y2k there was a band called varsity i don't know if you guys remember varsity okay i remember detroit in the midwest they did a west coast shuffle there at the end they put out a seven inch and a split 12 inch with blood packed on plus minus records and they were part of the tail end of what we like to call the the youth crew revival or the second wave of youth crew that was happening in the mid to late 90s right, right. but they were like here in detroit and they were the only band like it and it, even though like as i was getting into hardcore earth mover kind of reigned in detroit and obviously coldest life as well was getting ready to finally drop their full length varsity was out there you know playing this like positive youthful fast hardcore and that that was the stuff that really spoke to me I love the heavy stuff. I love hate breed. I love cold as life. You know, I love the mosh and the anger, but the positive stuff was just 
it hit differently for me. So anyways, I loved varsity and they were wrapping up their band and I was in a band called resound That's, and okay. we, we, we put that. out a, we had a demo and it was never officially it. released. Okay. So this demo, I have it, it has, it's four songs. It had, um, the guy, his name's Frank. He played drums in coalition okay. and it had wedge from for dire life's sake. If you guys, I'm sure you guys have heard of for dire life's yep, sake. Yep. He played guitar and we actually went to high school together wedge and i and we were my first three bands of my life were with him so it's pretty cool story but i won't get too much into that but anyways we were in a band with uh called resound and it was sort of like i would say bane or as friends rust okay you know kind of like a mix in between there so it was a little bit melodic but it was fast and we uh we broke up to just you know the, the guys in toledo it was just too much you know so it just all happened at the same time that varsity broke up resound broke up and it was me and frank i had a drummer who was brilliant and uh alex from varsity he already had a bunch of songs written was looking for some help and he was best friends with brent i think he played in varsity sometimes but he was more known for being in trifon um being one of the two or three singers depending on the era of trifon and we got together for a practice in. Um, Dude, I've been saying that. Frank's... I've been saying trifine for fucking. How do you oh, say it? I've no. been saying it wrong for like thirty years. Well, not that long. Twenty years. <laughs> no Shit. problem. Damn, that's hilarious. It's a weird word. It's it's not the type of word you know that comes up in daily conversation. So completely understandable. So I just happened to grow up around those guys. I know? just so, remember yeah. a kid. He made a bootleg T-shirt nice. around here when we were kids, and like, was it X Trifin X? <laughs> I hope it was. Yeah, it was. But it was <laughs> nice. like so. I don't know. It was funny. It was like some fucking Joanne Fabric shit. But oh, cool. <laughs> but, we, but he still Dude, said that, that... he said trifine, man. So he's been saying it All wrong right. too. I'm gonna have to correct people. If I'm wrong, you know, eggs on my face. But that's okay. Like because I didn't know what you were with, talking about until you were like three singers, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I apologize. Yeah, no, no problem, no problem. So yeah, we got together for a practice. I don't think we went in with any expectations of, you know, we wanted, you know, we all obviously got together with the intention of, of starting a new project, but I don't think we knew that it would be such an important project, you know, in our lives that it would last as long as it did. And that we'd produce as many songs and, and records and tour as much as we did. So we just, we just ended up in this basement in Sterling Heights, Michigan, and uh, Alex brought the songs, you know, and by the end of it, we had two songs that sounded pretty tight. I was like, wow, like it was almost like, like we were meant, to, like in meant a night. to play together, you know, it was really cool. We were just a four piece at the time. It was just, you know, we didn't have a second guitar player, but it went so smooth. I remember it was really exciting, you know, for me, because I loved varsity and, and Brent being in Trifon, you know, like they had some epic like live shows. So it was just kind of like, and I knew those guys, I had gone to like edge day in Boston with them. So like we were, we were friends, but we weren't like bandmates, you know, gotcha. this was a new level of friendship that was beginning. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it started was just our two bands breaking up and kind of like reforming at the end of the year 2000. And, you know, from there on, it was just like full speed ahead. Well, you kind of answered, um, my next question about um, expectations for Coalition. I mean, did you guys think, um, you know, we're going to put out a seven inch and see how it goes? Or were you guys like, we're going to take this as far as we can? Or, you know, how, what was your mindset? Yeah, I what I do remember is that we were, I don't want to surprise is the right word, but we were very happy with the early songs. Like they sounded mature. They sound, and we felt like we had been playing together longer than we had 
So we decided that we were, uh, when it comes to our first release, we were going to do a demo, but we weren't going to just do a demo at the same time. We were going to really put our money together and go to a good studio. And we were going to like make it awesome because we thought that if we, if we put out a really strong first release, it would be picked up by a label. Right. Right. And, uh, and that's what we did. We, we pulled our money and we wrote about seven songs between late August and December and went into the studio in January of 2001 with seven new songs in Woodshed Studios in Ferndale, Michigan, which was kind of a known punk studio. Right. Um, I don't want to say it was pricey, pricey, but it was a little bit more than maybe going to see like Mike Hasty at Club. Yeah, City, yeah, yeah. Right. Like a little bit like like I love I, I've recorded with Mike Hasty like three, I think three times and it was always fun. But it was a little bit. It was more of a pro feeling studio. Right. So we were we were all in. At that point, like we were putting our money where our hearts were at that point. Because when you we were, were just in... young college kids. We were like 20, you know, 19. Okay, yeah, like, so we were... you're just, you're answering them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we were in college and just, actually Frank was in high school. Frank, the drummer, man, he was young. That dude was freaking amazing at drums. Like he'd been playing in ska band since he was like 14, but he could, he was crazy. He was almost like, he was like an artist in the true sense of the word with, with those drum skins and those sticks. But anyways, yeah, he was in high school at the time and we, the, the rest of us were in college. So like back then I thought you guys were like 10 years older than me, you know, but come to find out, like I'm 38. So you're only like what, three, four five years older than me. Yeah. 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 It, like I, I know Alex and I are the same age. We're 42 and Brent's one year older and Frank was the one who was younger though. He was, he's probably like your age. He's probably right. like 38, but yeah, we were, yeah, we were in the, in the age range, but we were a little bit older. I mean, back, you know, when you're a teenager, five years plus, oh, it's huge. that feels like a lot. It it's feels huge. huge. I remember seeing cold as life play and they were probably in their late twenties in the nineties, but they felt so much older yeah, yeah. and mature than, than I did, you know? So yeah, it makes sense that it would like the perception would be, wow, these dudes are like really like older and like you know i've seen a lot more than oh I yeah dude and your sound at that time it stood out in detroit because it at first to me it didn't really have a lot of that metallic sound yet that you know is notorious in detroit yeah yeah so i, I like, felt that that kind of stood out like you said you wanted a youth like a, a youth crew positive message type of thing and Detroit's not really known for that you know what I mean it's yeah. not it was more yeah. revelation yeah. style than it was Detroit stuff it, it was and that was our goal all along like I just look at the shirts we, we we wore in the pictures that's kind of indicative of like who we were trying to emulate you know oh, like our definitely. big influences were obviously like early rev bands I would say live wise we would say we always wanted to be like chain of strength you know like uh -huh. we want to be like jumping around and having fun but there was also the part of the band, and I think this comes across too, you know, reading some old reviews, is that we were pretty tight and the musicianship was there. It wasn't just like simple things. So we were kind of this amalgamation of youthful energy, but also uh, like tasteful, you know, musical composition. You know, I don't know. That kind of sounds nerdy, but oh, no, that kind it, of gets like at like totally what, we were, what we were thinking totally yeah stood so out. like in the, in the beginning we were definitely like i think we were influenced by obviously like the start of the band was the energy of early rev but when listening to it it is new age records early 90s 1134 collateral damage late turning point um and especially outspoken 
And oh, yeah, I yeah, really yeah. hear that now, like looking back 20 years, 20 plus years later, like, I'm like, okay, I really hear those influences more than I did even at the time. So, yeah. So we were kind of like youth crew energy, but we have this like more like nineties, like kind of early nineties, you know, kind of sound even unbroken ish, you know, like we were taught, we're not like metal in the sense of like new, like not new metal, but like God, current, you know, what we call like metallic hardcore, but like unbroken had this metallic edge. And you hear that like songs like pusher, which is the fourth song on the, the demo, which we, you know, we haven't got to yet, but that would become the smorgasbord. Okay. EP. That song definitely has like a metallic group, but it doesn't sound metal. You know what I mean? But it sounds like unbroken and outspoken and things like that. Cause hardcore was progressing weird in, in the early nineties. And we were kind of taking that, but we wanted it to be fast, you know? Right. So whatever we were doing, there was something fast around it, which that's, that's my thing. And that's why I was so happy to be in coalition. Yeah. I always thought like that first, um, fault, the breaking point sounds like a lot like, uh, like war zone almost where it's heavy but it's not it's not metal and you have those fast yeah. chuggy parts and then um like my favorite song is you'll never know on that record and there's that mm-hmm. crazy guitar solo at the end oh yeah that it yep. totally sounds like some shit off of like don't forget to struggle and That's i cool. always That's thought a... that was badass awesome so i mean Appreciate you know that. war zone would be a a safe assumption on an influence war zone oh, old, yeah. all that kind of shit like you were saying yeah, the the core members that were there from start to finish were Alex, myself, and Brent, and we all I know for sure are all like one hundred percent like Warzone. Hell yeah, fanboys for sure. Yeah, like even up through the victory years, like I just I just always love them. You know, no, even even the bullet the bullet hole <laughs> record, I'll revisit once in a while. And yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna see the good in this, and you know you groove to it. It's pretty cool. But yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. So that that's a compliment. Yeah, that's I definitely that's what I heard in, in that song especially. But mm-hmm. for sure, Breaking Point just had its twentieth anniversary not that long ago. In June, it was released. I think June third, so it's going so to have its coming up. year. But we record. Gotcha. We actually we 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 recorded it in late two thousand two at uh, Mars Recording Compound in Cleveland, which is where uh, Integrity recorded almost all their you know hits. It's where Earth Crisis recorded Firestorm. And two weeks before we went to record Breaking Point, guess who was there? I Terror recording Lowest of the Low. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. That fucking album is so classic I, now. It's one of my favorites of all time. And Agreed. we have, like, guys who are doing, like, backup vocals that did it for Terror and then for us because it was at the same studio. It, you know, it was, like, some local some local guys from Detroit, but also some local, like, Cleveland guys. That's sick. I'm about to do... Yeah, and so I remember just, like, there was, like, little clips of, like, terror that Bill Karecki, the engineer, was, like, recording me over, like, Scott Vogel. I was like, no, no, don't do that, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't yeah, yeah. They had their tapes. They had their tapes and everything. But That's there was, cool. like, some pieces where I'm hearing terror because that was, like, literally, like, like might have been the last project he'd worked on before we came in to do Breaking Point. So that just kind of gives you, a, like, a, a sketch of the time we were in, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. it was terror man like they were just about to like pop off like their demo was already like you know spread everywhere but that that night those nine songs are special to me to this day uh, and it's just I, kind of I, a I cool thing you, man that we're guilty by association we were in the studio you know like we had nothing to do with that and you know we weren't but it's still kind of cool that yeah, you know, like, that's a cool detail into the album for sure yeah yeah for sure yeah i would so put, that, that, i would also i put lowest of the low like for me on like a top 10 list of like classic hardcore records for sure like in my life oh yeah 
one hundred percent. I still I still listen to that yeah, like too. pretty often. You you might hear me say that a few times, Get but up. when I say it, I'm telling you it's true. Like lowest of low, yeah. I'll be in the gym and I'll be like, all right, I just got to hear yeah. the song lowest of the low. That breakdown's sick. So yeah, yeah. Hardcore is some Love of the best record. workout music there is I've found. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was so, listening to Momentum the other day on Days Records, and that's a good workout. Yeah. Uh, record as well so yeah i was listening so to the good. new illmatic quite a bit when it came out oh yeah and, uh, that was a that was another good workout thing we interviewed them a while back and i um, i think joe I heard said that interview that, joe said that and i was he inspired got a lot i've of, been uh, listening to them yeah they're a great band i really like their blend of music how's it so feel like, knowing that, that uh breaking points 20 years old already <laughs> oh man I don't know. Like it's not, it, it's surreal that that much time has gone by because the way I look at it is in 2003, what was 20 years previous? And that was 1983. And it's like, wow, it's like a minor yeah. threat was, you know, mm-hmm. together. Like it just kind of puts things in perspective that there's been a lot of life lived since then. And, and just as far as hardcore goes, there's been a lot of hardcore that's transpired since then. A lot of changes for the good because it's easy to look back and say i wish hardcore was like it was in 2003 but you know like a lot that's a lot that's a lot of time that's a lot of opportunity for creativity to just like spawn new and interesting things which it has um you know so it's crazy to think it's been that long i don't feel that old (laughs) no hell no (laughs) but 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 it has but 20 years is significant you know I'm proud of it to, you know, to be honest, like, wow, 20 years ago, we were able to put together songs and rehearse them and, and play them and, you know, not just record these albums to play like almost every week. And we were, we were prolific and are playing locally and we did tours and, you know, and like, oh, we yeah. hung out with some pretty, pretty good bands back then. I've um, seen you guys in Detroit at least once that I can remember. I think it was for a Most Precious Blood Promise show. I think you guys opened oh, yeah. up for that. Was that the shelter? Yeah. Yep. I remember cool. seeing yeah, you there, the and then uh, I think, and then a couple times up here, and that was uh, in the two thousand three, two thousand four era. So I mean, I can vouch for you that yes. you guys were like hardworking as fuck. Yeah, we we loved it. That's what it was. Like we just we loved being together. Like we were like as a as a band like. We just enjoyed being around one another, which makes it really easy. And then the songs just flowed. And we all were, we, we had like the same mindset, like let's write the songs. Let's, let's put out as many records as we can. Let's play as many shows, you know, like we were all single and we all had the opportunity in life, which as we, as we've all grown older, we've recognized that, yeah, you, you only have that ability one time, yeah. you know? For most people, at least, you only get that freedom, and I certainly couldn't ever do that again. And and that's why, like a uh, a wise friend said to me recently, you know, hardcore is a young man's game. And what he meant by this, not that young people are the only ones who can like make hardcore or listen to hardcore, but they're the only ones who can invest in it in that way, yeah. right? With oh, time and with going everywhere, you know. So I am so thankful that we made the most of those years i will say we were hardworking and we did everything we could to have fun and play shows and be with each other but also to have to let the music be heard you know by anybody who had a willing ear so it was it's great so 20 years wow like you know it's kind of it, it, it's it's significant but i'm very very pleased and proud of what we did in that time and you should be man it's an amazing fucking record yeah 
Well, thank you. Do you happen to have any plans to press up new physical copies of the album for the anniversary or just kind of, I noticed it's on streaming services now and it wasn't for quite a while. Sure. No, that's a great question. We've had some talks. There's some interest. Okay. I don't know how serious the interest is, so I can't commit to say that, but personally I would love, I will do like, I would do anything to see that, at least breaking point and maybe the sight and the sound are pressed, you know, as an LP, you know, even if it's just a short press, just nobody, you know, enough time has gone by and it's been enough years where it wasn't streaming and sight, sight and the sound is still not streaming. Yeah. I had, uh, I had to that. buy it off Bandcamp this morning, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> which is because I, I, you know, didn't have it. Blown well, up. well, I appreciate that. You know, and, and, and as far as like, band camp like charging for that that's that's just to help us like get a oh, couple yeah, bucks for to, sure, like, man. to like get stuff streaming you know and alex is actually working on the streaming i'm working on the band camp you know because the band camp's a little bit more simple right you don't have to go through like a third party you know organization so it's a lot easier to just like kind of throw things up there so it's just kind of like a way it's almost like a gofundme for for skidding everything up on spotify oh for but, sure yeah. um yeah, I would. I would. Uh, nothing would would make me more happy than to see those in a twelve inch format. Um, yeah, like a limited it's run. Just a weird time. It was a CD. It was a time where the CD dominated. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? It was and, hard to sell and, a record in two thousand, two thousand three, any time. Un- unless that. you got like the first one, you know, like whatever the color, the limited color was yeah. that was limited to one hundred or two hundred. Yeah, you weren't gonna sell. And pressing back then, you'd press a thousand. You'd press, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have these short presses like you do now. Right. It would be like 500, 1000. It was a lot, you know? So yeah, like we were on fight fire with fire records for breaking point and Porcel was running that record label and it was cool because it was one step away from revelation. Like, we yeah, were yeah. like, you know, we didn't have a star, but it kind of felt like we did in a way because it was exclusively distributed, you know, like, like old ambassador records was in the nineties. They actually put a star, you know, like I know it wasn't truly a star, but kind of felt, you know, oh, you felt no, like definitely. you're a part of revelation in some way. Like uh, you're making like, a record like with a, Purcell. That's fucking awesome, dude. Like it was same it was, guy that made dude, a record an with youth of today and judge and like all these great fucking project oh acts, shelter. Yeah, yeah, project like, X. Man, let's get some records. Like, oh get, think of it. Schism was his first label, you know? Like, yeah. so that was such a big honor to be recognized and to be invited to be part of that family. And a cool story, you know, just in case it doesn't come up again while we're talking about Porcel, he came out to a show. We played in Rochester, New York with Desperate Measures and One Up. And it was in this like sketchy neighborhood in a warehouse right after an ice storm. Perfect. An ice storm that knocked out the power of the area where a lot of people didn't show up to the show. So I wasn't even sure like um, Porcel was going to be there, but he showed up and we had, when we were able to get power, I don't know if it was on generators, I'm not sure, but we, but Desperate Measure showed up and we all played and we had a fun time and we played the song Fed Up by Judge as a cover song. And I handed the mic to Porcel and he sang it oh, and I sang so along sick. to my own band and it was super surreal. And I have a picture of it, of me singing along to my own band with Porcel on vocals. And I'm going to post that, you know, on the Instagram one of these days, but yeah, you know, just dope. like cool memories like that. Like it, it was just a, it was a very special time. And like I said, I'm, I'm very proud to have been a part of hardcore in general, but of coalition and in Detroit hardcore, you know, in particular at the time. So, yeah, dude, it's, um, it's like the most important time in my life, I would I would say. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously 
built us as individuals to who we are today. So you have to take those Absolutely. as uh, precious and cherish those memories, you know? 100%. Here's a personal story of me seeing you guys. I got It was the first time All I right. got tattooed. Um, it, and I remember the date because it was uh, one month at, exactly after my birthday. So you played in a day. You played March 8th, 2003, and you played You'll Never Know. And I remember... Like, you just looking so pissed, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> and then uh, somebody, I think it was either Alex or Brent, sold me a shutdown 12-inch album against all odds for, like, two bucks. And that's oh, kind cool. of what started my vinyl thing, like, collecting. You know what I mean? Like, it started at that yeah. point, which is kind of cool. And shutdown, cool. the reason I bought it is shutdown was, like, probably the first band, second band that I got into. So your style fit right in there. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is to what drew I do. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's awesome. That's the yeah, only I don't I know who it was, but for some reason I'm I'm guessing it was Brent. Brent okay. Brent he he's the one who had like the the solid like record collection. I could see him bringing up a couple of records, you know, almost distroing in a way. But yeah, that's it was, really cool. It was awesome. Another I love thing the thing I wanted to ask you too. Oh, I know, right? Um so cool. Do you think that, like, in my opinion, I think that punk rock and hardcore in the 90s and even into the early 2000s kind of kept vinyl going until this whole revival thing happened? Would you agree? Because that's where I always saw vinyl. I totally agree. You know, in the punk rock, hardcore yeah. vein of things. Seven inches especially. Yeah, I kept that shit alive. And now look. Yeah. Like, I, I don't... I don't know like 100%, but I have 100% felt that way. Right. Like, right. I, I agree. Like, I, like, when I think back, vinyl was such an important part of punk and hardcore. Uh -huh. Like, you couldn't imagine it without, even though, like, you know, our full lengths were released on CD only. Guess what? The bigger labels were still putting out vinyl and people were still excited about vinyl. And, and I don't know if you guys like remember this at all but and this is again this is anecdotal and maybe maybe i'm off and maybe there was other eras where this like reigned but i feel like the time where coalition was around was the time of like special covers of vinyl so it wasn't even like like colored vinyl it was like special like hand printed or like printed cover it could be like the screen printed cover oh like or you like, guys did and, you with know, the like, uh, that last a... fucking seven inch where you had like the limited tour covers there was like 12 of them we did that like as a joke because of the era we were kind of poking fun at ourselves well, right because that okay. was what was going on so yeah 100 we had we like gave a cover to like everybody in the van and we were making like silly faces on them and it was kind of like in jest but right. at the same time it was we it was fun and we were making fun of ourselves it wasn't like we were saying vinyls you know these covers are stupid we were just being kind of silly and yeah, we even did that for our split seven inch with holding on. We made a Macho Man cover where we were all like each one of us was decorated as like one of the village people. Um, <laughs> I think I was the cop. So awesome. you know, like we, it was just like that time. You just couldn't imagine like going on tour, you know, without anything on vinyl, right? So even though we had like CDs, it was like we we have to have vinyl because there was still that very important segment yeah. that would purchase vinyl and cherish vinyl and vinyl feels more like a trophy, you know, than any other musical format, physical format, you know, cassettes are cool. CDs are cool. They get the job done. You hear the music, but vinyl's an experience, you know, like it's different. 
it's holding it in your hand just feels like uh like it's like an accomplishment of the band and oh the you're preaching to the, choir, and the label brother. yeah it just feels a little bit more i don't know it, it, it just hits differently you know what i mean Jason so yeah Zalikowski i always had hardcore. the baddest record collection and that's how we heard a lot of shit in his apartment because he's like oh, cool. he's the only one that had a job back then we were all a bunch of fucking little rascals i suppose <laughs> oh, around, yeah. nice know? nice but um, that, that actually brings up a good point that i like i didn't that i didn't bring up is vinyl used to be cheap right yep so it yeah. used to be cheaper to press vinyl than a cd so if you were a punk band and you didn't have a lot of money and you were very diy it was cheaper to, to like get 500 on black vinyl and then you do all like the xeroxing yourself you know yeah. like you couldn't do that place with CDs, uh-huh. you know and I remember, so. you remember, uh, off, I'm sure you do, the band Hard Time. That's how I heard them was on a 7-inch for the first time. Yeah. On so cool, right? paper like, fucking copied piece of shit, you know? And you, yeah, it, had the, exactly. it had the best music on it, you know? Oh, love that, right? Like, times have changed. Like, everything, like I said, is so slick and, like, produced. And, and that's a good thing. It's not a problem. You know? So don't get me wrong. But, you know, like, there's a nostalgic part of me that kind of likes like the imperfections oh, of definitely. punk and hardcore of the of like recordings now are so beautiful and they used to be like very they were very you know like to go to a studio like mars you that you had to like some like cash and you needed to be ready to play because if you messed around that dude would kick you out oh you know? definitely so it's not yeah you didn't so you couldn't make it on the yeah. in the internet yeah yeah exactly and we were in that weird time pre-youtube you know like mm-hmm. maybe like myspace was just starting at the end of the band but like and i think we were kind of victim of that like weird time period like why our music wasn't preserved and you know it doesn't help that uh fight fire with fire records didn't continue really that long past our second full length, right right like so everything just kind of went out of print and nothing was you know you because youtube wasn't a thing there's really you can't find anything about us on youtube right right it really so it is it's and a like lot of the internet you can't like if you search coalition detroit hardcore you pretty much get like a band camp link and then if your instagram that's recent right i yeah, just started yeah. that like so <laughs> and the instagrams like you can go into like some of the followers and find out like co- like we'll tag coalition instagram your instagram etc in the episode description so people see it I appreciate that. Thank you. And that's kind of like the the mission statement of our podcast is to bring light to like kick-ass bands and artists that get overlooked, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's that's awesome. That's really, it's really cool what you guys are doing. I do, I do appreciate it. And it's just fun, you know, like at the end of the day, like we're all, we're all just enjoying this and it's, it's so good to, to go down memory lane. Um, I honestly haven't spoken in depth about the band in a long time. You know, I've kept in touch with like Brent and, uh, but through this Instagram, this is like kind of really connected me to the, the rest of the band. Um, like Alex, he's still local. He plays in a, a very influential doom metal band called Temple, Temple of Void. Void. I'm sure yeah. you guys, yep. Right. Um, so <laughs> we know. And yeah, Hellmouth. Stewart. And Hellmouth, yeah. Stewart's in Atlanta, and I haven't talked to him in years. But now we're like, you know, he's sending me pictures through Instagram, and and he's really enthused about like kind of seeing some pictures that have been dug up and things like that. And Zaz played drums for us in the middle. I've been in touch with him. Um, I think I and Josh, who was our last drummer, he still lives in the area, and he was actually 
he and I worked on a project together a few years ago. Um, so like we still are in, in touch. So, but this has kind of connected us all back together, you know, just, I, I, I just decided like it's time for, for the opportunity to hear coalition to be at least available. I'm not going to force it down people's throat. I can't. And I wouldn't, if, even if I had the influence to, but here it is, you know, if you're into it, like for me, like getting into hardcore, and even being in coalition, I feel like so much of my energy and excitement was in excavating older hardcore, right? Like we had oh, the like internet, digging into but, music and reading yeah. the fucking like who thanked who and catching the bands like that and this guitar players and that one, that drummer and this one, blah, blah, blah type thing. Yeah. Thanks lists, right? Yep, um, yep. Seeing the shirts that other bands are wearing in their live pictures, Finding out that so and so's record, like you know, Just like you can't, you can't get bands. it on CD or cassette. It's only on vinyl, and it's been out of print for 15 years. Where can I get a bootleg yeah, or right. at least a dub? Right, like that was that was the fun, like was the hunt, and and I, I I'm not sure that the current generation like has. It, 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 for me, it wasn't an issue. It was a fun challenge, right? It was almost like a, what what's the word like a scavenger hunt of hardcore now things are kind of like laid out but and if it's not just laid out on the internet and easy to search you're probably less likely you know the current generation is less likely to, to actually go with tools and dig you know so I, i'm like okay so nobody's digging for us you know but i'm gonna put this out there and if anybody does do a little digging we'll find out what was going on in detroit hardcore you know between 2000 and 2004 at least a band that wasn't like typical detroit hardcore right like we were doing yeah. something fast in late 80s we were very traditional in our approach and that that's not a typical detroit way of doing things but i read a review where the the author of the review said he, we there was parts that reminded him of earth mover and I, to that i say amen that's awesome right like so we are we're 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 a pro, very much a product of you know our habitat here in detroit but we were also like just like super fans of like what was going on in you know on the coast in the late 80s when it comes to like straight edge hardcore straight edge adjacent you know hardcore so yeah which yeah, it's made for it made for a unique blend that made you guys kind of stand out from the pack too yeah i think i think i think so i think we were doing something just so you know just tweaked a little different like we had all these different loves and influences which kind of made who coalition was you know but one thing was we always wanted to keep it fast and, and fun although i would say the last lp we started we weren't it was, it was still predominantly you know had a good amount of fast parts but you could kind of hear like that alex was uh getting getting kind of a thirst for like that more metallic type of sound which would lead to Hellmouth, yeah, which would Hellmouth lead to was, yeah, yeah and then Jeremy and I were Boys, just right like i kind that. of like hear him you know like the songs he wrote and even you know brent who was in temple avoid you know like kind of it makes sense yeah. in a way it's almost like an embryo of like what would become you know that big doom band on relapse today you know yeah. no it's cool to see like where he kind of started in bands and then moved up to and the, the progression of the music too because i love hellmouth temple avoid etc and uh i remember I didn't know Alex was in Temple of Void when I first found it. I just stumbled across him. And then I bought the first record, and I remember reading inside of it 
And I was like, this name seems familiar. And I was like thinking and thinking. And then I pulled out a Hellmouth album and I was like, fuck, mm-hmm. that's the same guy. <laughs> and, uh, same guy. Yeah. So that was cool. So I went back and bought the other two records that were out at the time. And then I've got uh, Summoning the Slayer, I think was the most recent one. Yes. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's not, I, it's, I'm not a metal guy, but like I, when I listen to that, I hear, I do, I hear Alex's hardcore, like, ripping. Like, I hear, like, oh, that, I know, I, I remember him doing something like that in the on the last Coalition album, you know, or something, you know, something, you know, similar to it. So I get a, a kick out of, like, hearing his discography, you know, past Coalition because it's it's him. And I know him and his music so well because we spent, you know, plus four years together just grinding it out playing hardcore shows and touring and making records. So it's really cool, you know, that uh, he's able to to build quite quite the discography and career. Yeah, He's a hard worker and he's a smart guy, so I'm not surprised at all. That's another thing I really uh, I love about hardcore is that no matter what genre your former bandmates go in, you're like always supportive, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's just For sure. kind of unique to that. It's usually it's like, Fuck that motherfucker! I'm all, you know what I mean, or whatever. Like, yeah, like yeah. What we talked totally. about like, I, I mean, Illmatic yeah, was yeah. great. Like, I, I, I listened to your Illmatic um, interview, and that was really cool. Like, hearing about the hip hop influence and yeah, yeah. just like, man, that that's hardcore to me. Like, is just like being able to draw from so many different resources and channel it into like a an attitude, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it is. There is a musical sound, but there's but I think the attitude of it creates the music in a sense. And, you know, taking all these different influences and cultural movements and, um, you know, the best of different artistic vibes and kind of making them aggressive. Like that to me in general kind of sums up hardcore. And it's awesome. I mean, hardcore people, you know, hardcore band members and zine makers, you know, going back to the 80s have ended up doing such big things, you know, in their life, you know, whether it's bands that got signed to major labels or producing like major label record, things like that. It's just incredible. Like the family tree, uh-huh. you know, that hardcore has produced Definitely. outside of hardcore. Definitely. I don't think it's, I don't think it's on accident. I think there's particular types of minds that are like, you know, and hearts that are drawn to hardcore, you know, and there's an ambition that, that kind of like, that kind of flourishes, yeah, you know, it's like you kind of grow up in that environment and nobody can ever grow up in it again. And that's like, that's the sad thing for me Yeah, is like, good point. Just, okay. Even after COVID or like how I see my kid, most of his social interaction is like over the web. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's like back in those days, in the 90s, 2000s, whatever. I mean, we had we found each other at these shows in different places or met, like, different guys like you. And then here, 20 years later, we're hitting you up, like, hey, man, what's up? And it's just fucking, it's awesome, you know, that, yeah, that it exists. Really but I'll, at it the is. same time, sad that it's kind of where it stops, too, you know? Yeah, right. You have, like, like, I talked about that time, you know, like, where you have very little responsibility compared to when you're, let's say, uh a husband and a father, right? Like you have that time and it's just like, those are very formative years, you know, like you, you got to take the, don't take them for granted, live them to the fullest. But life after that is good. It's just different. It's just, I just, <laughs> like I like these the, conversations you take the values, as a result man. of those years, you know, and it's pretty awesome. 
Definitely. So what are some of the other projects that you've been working on as of late besides the one you mentioned earlier? Uh, actually, uh, that, the one he mentioned earlier didn't get recorded, so go ahead and mention it again. <laughs> oh, okay. It? I don't, I don't yeah, remember. Did we talk about it as a... Anyway. I think we that was when we were bullshitting before we started. So whatever you... Uh, you said you were working on like a post-punk project. That you... Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, so uh, from... Buried... Late late 2019 to last week, I was singing for a band called Buried Lights. Okay, that's and good. I would describe Buried Lights as a Discord-ish, post-hardcore type of band that was heavily influenced by bands like Jawbox, Soulside, perhaps, and Dag Nasty, for sure. I wouldn't say we sounded like Dag Nasty, but I would say that you definitely you can hear, hear that influence in the music. That's yeah, cool. and the members of the band, at least the guitar players in particular, they were part of like early and mid nineties, Detroit hardcore on pretty significant bands of the time. So I'll just, I'll just mention the names and you may have heard of them, but Paul played, plays guitar in buried lights. And he also played guitar for transcend. And they were one of the first doghouse records bands. Um, I believe that the founder of doghouse records was actually in that band. So transcend, they have, you know, their stuff streaming on Spotify. Mike is the other guitar player. He was in a local emotional hardcore band. And I, I say emotional hardcore to distinguish it from emo, right? Yeah, like yeah, it, no, I get like it. these are like early, these are like Midwest. Like, like emotional hardcore and shit. Yeah, but but maybe even like, maybe even a little most bit more precious melodic blood than was that. Emotional like, too. Like I mean as angry as fuck, but it was Sure, emotional. sure. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, but but emotional, like you know, the like the the lyrics. The, and this band was melodic. So Mike Mike played guitar in Empathy, and Empathy were on Conquer the World Records. And Empathy had a, a posthumous twelve-inch EP release called I Need, and I grew up with that Wedge, who I mentioned earlier yep. from for our life. Like he and I went to high school together, and he actually introduced me to Empathy while we were in high school, and I still listen to it to this day. So, so it was an honor to be in a band with Mike. He's really you know quite the player and he just he's just got a great artistic mind about him so yeah that band was buried lights i say was just because i'm not in the band anymore but i i believe they're going to continue they're really talented musicians like they really know how to write a song they really like put all their their heart and thought and detail into it um and buried lights has has a couple releases out with me on vocals if you want to check them out on Bandcamp. The first one is just a five-song EP that we're, we recorded. It was self-recorded in the basement, uh, Paul's basement. Um, those kind of like represent like our early era of kind of trying to find our sound. And then we recorded three songs last year, and it's a three-song EP called Modern Ruins. And that one kind of more captures like where you know what we would be and. It, the recording is at uh, Temper Mill, and we worked with a guy named Eric there, who was really, uh, really good at like producing and and kind of helping us, you know, to kind of get that sound we wanted. But yeah, feel free to check them out. Again, like I'm not, I'm not currently singing. In according to the, what, according to the internet, you are you better have that updated, <laughs> buddy. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. it's all, it's all, it's all fresh, and it's just you know, like sometimes you just have different creative like impulses you know and those guys are great and so you know like it was it was a really fun time and it kind of got me back into contributing to hardcore and punk as 
a member of a band, right? And so now that I've been back, it's a lot easier for me to like look for that next project. You right. know? So who knows? I'm not, I don't have anything scheduled. I'm not in, in a band currently, but it, I wouldn't rule it out as being something in the future. So I yeah, want besides a 20th that, just, anniversary like, coalition tour. This Instagram. This, what was that? I want a 20th anniversary coalition tour. Yeah, that that would be pretty cool. I got to be honest, I, I highly doubt this <laughs> yeah, rule ever reform and Wishful play thinking. a show again. I think there's a better chance of of maybe a 12 inch, you know, of breaking point in the sight and the sound coming gotcha. out. But I, I, but it would be super fun. I would be with you. That'd be cool. If we did, I would want to play Alpina because that was a special place to us. We all have special memories. We played there three times. Yep. Each time was at a different venue and each time was completely different than the last one. I think we played in a barn the second yep. time and it was insane. Like that's there the, was people moshing wall barn, to wall dude. in a barn. Yep. You know, like crazy. It was cold, but it was awesome. <laughs> when we had uh, uh Hate Inc play, you know, oh, they, nice. they came up to the they played at the barn. They and, did. That's so good. And, I didn't uh, know that. Oh yeah. I mean, that was probably like I mean that was my favorite because it was my friend's house, but and there was like horses next door and we'd get up do all yeah. kinds of dumb shit. But <laughs> um, yeah, he showed up wearing like uh, a spur on his boot and like all these spikes on, and it was like he was so out of place. And then like ten minutes go by and everything's like cool because he kind of looked around like where the fuck am I, you know? And it's like <laughs> BFE, you know what I mean? It is. And it was, he showed up really late. It was funny. Awesome. That's but, pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely my probably my favorite place. <laughs> that was, that was cool. I like I I still remember just being amazed, like looking at the, like the background of a barn, people moshing in a barn, you know. And I think we had it might have been <laughs> October. I remember it was fall. It was it was some it was one of the fall months, and there was little. I think there was little space heaters, they but uh, I think just the energy kept us warm that oh, night. Oh yeah, dude, but it, it was awesome. You get all sweaty. Cool. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. We had we had a lot of good times there, man. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. No, hating played up there too. I did not know that. Yeah, with that must and, have been a sight to see. And it was like I believe it was right before Mr. Jeff Gunnels like got a little trouble with the law, so he was played ah, up here too, okay. which was like oh, cool. which was cool to us because we we're like huge ass Cold's Life fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was that's that was kind of cool. Like he played in the fucking barn. You know what I mean? Sure, I know it's yeah, amazing. It's funny. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that that's way cooler than Coalition. That's really that's no, awesome, no, man. man. <laughs> I, no, no, not at all. <laughs> no, but that is that's that's pretty memorable. Yeah, and, uh, I'm so happy that you were able to have that crew come up and play for you. That's a big deal. Yeah, they've been. Yeah, and of course, you but know, we were we were guys. treated so well in Alpina. Like even the last time we came up, we knew we were going to get good support by that time, right? Because mm-hmm. we had such good shows the first two that we like we rented a van because we knew it it was going to be worth it, and we drove up loaded our stuff in a van. I remember going to like enterprise in the morning, picking it up. And then we came and we played um, some outdoor venue. It was our last time there in 04, I believe maybe spring. I don't remember exactly when I feel like it was before the sight and the sound drop, but probably like around the time we recorded it. But yeah, we played like an outdoor venue that was covered. It was like, had a, like a, a stage and it had a cover, but it was open air. I don't know if either oh, of you guys were at Hubbard that one. Lakes fucking, I think what they call it, it's just like a music fest that they do every year, I think. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, we played there. But it was at a concrete the and there was picnic table. Yep. Oh, okay. I yep, got it. That's it. I, that's I, it. I know. I, I remember I got a picture, a couple pictures yeah. from that show. 
I have pictures of our like of our like drive up to Alpina that day, and maybe some on the way back. Right. Because I, I think my hair looks sweaty on the way back, so I must spend or on on some of the pictures I must spend the way back home after we played because I always worked up quite a quite a sweat. Oh yeah, man! Just going every time it. you so. <laughs> every time you guys played, man, it was one hundred and twenty percent for sure. Yeah, and that's 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 actually one thing like about the band that like I'm always proud about is like it, it didn't matter if we were playing like to a lot of people or a basement with like five people like we were we were go for it every time and we were gonna play like it was for i don't know for our lives yeah 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 that's one thing we always agreed on like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how many people because just you know one person paid to see you you give them your best you know so yeah yeah, we we tried to bring it as much as we could every single night shit you did i'm glad that we uh our little scene could uh you know, help you out back then, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I, you were honestly, shocked though our, that there was like actually a few kids. You know, yeah. Like the first time we came up, we played. Uh, it was like a rec center because I remember the smell of chlorine. Yep, yep. that's um, the show that um I got um tattooed at and bought. Ah, that was this show. Okay, so I was surprised. I, that place was packed from what yeah. I remember, and I and I like so for for us like. At that time, we didn't have a full length out or anything like that. I think we just had maybe we had our seven inch that our friend Ian put out. He put out a three song seven inch. But I remember signing autographs. Like people wanted like wanted us to sign the cover of the record, and that was really an honor and really special. And I felt weird doing it. Like I'm, are you sure? Right, <laughs> like, because of that. But like we were treated dude. very like we were treated with a lot of respect and love and that's why we wanted to come back and that's why we came back for the barn show and then for the you know for yeah, the yeah. Hubbard's lake show like we were gonna make the drive because we felt loved you know when we came up and taken care of so we didn't even feel like that in detroit well it's so we clicky get... you know yeah and that's okay it's not it's not i i guess the song goodnight detroit is kind of about that yeah. to be honest with you like goodnight detroit like we gave it our all we gave it our everything you know that's the course i gave it my all i gave it i gave you my all i gave you my everything you know like we did and and it just wasn't reciprocated and that's okay because we'd go to saginaw or we go to alpina and, and yeah and, and we were and we were treated well and then we'd go to the coast like if it was you know the west coast or east coast there'd be people singing along but in detroit nobody would sing along you know like it was just kind of weird not to not to like to play your hearts out like in in detroit ypsilanti wherever it was in the detroit area and you know like we just worked really hard and just were just doing the best we could and it just wasn't the style of hardcore for the area and i get that like there's no hard feelings but there is there there was a little bit of like a, a hurt i wouldn't say an anger but like like i said listen to goodnight detroit the song on the sight and the sound and it kind of expresses you know like there's a little bit of anger in that song more frustration you know, maybe it's more fabricated a little bit of frustration but it was more hurt than anything it's more like hey like we're trying really hard and we've been doing this for like a few years now it's like i wish you know it's more like i wish people would pay attention to us in our in our own city you know like here look look at look at what we're trying to do you know and it wasn't about us it was about trying to build a fast hardcore scene in detroit you know well, now the good thing is later on you'd see some bands kind of pop up like i was in i was in a band simultaneously with coalition and i don't know if you guys knew that um called jailbreak yep i knew and that. i i think and jailbreak became razzle dazzle oh, okay okay that so I like I, it know. was will haroon and myself were were jailbreak and then we played with 
desperate measures again they popped up uh at idol kids in 2000 like april 2004 that was our last show and they and those two guys were like a coalition was like my number one band and they were they're were brilliant will and haroon are brilliant guys they were a little bit younger was that will swan they, will atkin or otherwise known as ill will and haroon khan oh haroon okay. plays in cold world i today. saw He's one Phil. of the covers was um ill will one of your yes. one covers because yeah, I just saw that this morning and I'm like, who the hell is Ill Will? In 2003. Okay. Yeah, Ill Will. So Ill gotcha. Will is the singer of Razzle Dazzle. Okay. Okay. So gotcha. they were on Locking Out Records and, and you know. Yeah. And they, they, they made quite a name for themselves. They were a really fun, like Murphy's Law, sort of like hardcore band. But they, you know, they had a lot of fast songs. So they were like, I'd call them a fast hardcore band. And then Ian Courtney was in a band called Hawkeye. And they put out a demo and it was really good and it was fast hardcore. And then, you know, bands like Face Reality and Freedom. And now you have Never Ending Game who are just like, you know, like national. They're not yeah, even yeah. just like they're, Michigan. They're, like they're, they're like a national band and they have a new LP dropping, you know. So I'd like to think we are like part of, you know, part of that like lineage of like fast hardcore because there really wasn't anything there was varsity and then you know there really wasn't anything besides varsity and varsity was pretty short-lived um and by the way they they put out they recorded an lp that was never released it was supposed to be on underestimated records it's called can't escape the truth and it's streaming on Bandcamp. and alex who was the guitar player has no idea who put that up but really? who cares? It's out there and it's a really good listen. But oh, yeah, yeah, if anybody's interested in hearing some like, oh yeah, I'm, like kind of positive youth crew yeah. that was never released and it's really good quality stuff. It's it's uh, look up varsity can't escape the truth on Spotify. Oh, give totally it a listen. It's it. really fun. I seen one of you guys post that on Instagram and you were like, how the fuck did that get up there? <laughs> yeah, Al- Alex. Yeah, Alex, I thought I was like, you didn't. I I side chatted him like, you didn't do that. He's like, no. He's like, somebody's making very little money off of streaming that <laughs> so, like he was kind of ta- you know making fun of it like but it's funny because the picture if you look at the picture it says varsity it's actually a coalition picture i can see the back of my head it's a picture taken from our smorgasbord ep so i don't know who put it up oh and then just but... superimposed varsity over it yeah exactly Trait. so that's actually me brent and alex <laughs> in that picture yeah so Hear the truth it's a really good first. lp <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, man. So, so that's another one I would love to see get released on vinyl, but you know, like it's like one of those things. It'll probably just, you know, be in the streaming world, which is okay. At least it's available. Yeah. I do know some people that do have connections for small vinyl runs. So if you ever need a hand in that, feel free to get a hold of me. Oh sweet. Nice. Like a couple hundred. Yeah. And I know yeah, there I... there are some locally in Detroit, but then I know there's other places outsource like i have friends that run labels and whatnot and have done smaller runs so if i can do anything to help i'd be happy to i will i will hit you up like i'm kind of still talking to someone about possibly releasing the vinyl but like i said it's not like a hard it's not in stone so if any if anything like falls off the table for that then i'm definitely going to pursue other options so yeah yeah And yeah. it might surprise cool, you. I mean, there might be more people out there than you think that are wanting to have that. Because I, I know that, that that would be amazing. <laughs> I think that you're, you know, where you're, what you just said about like you weren't felt as loved in Detroit. Now, from the outside of that, that to me is what made you stand out. 
was that there was nobody that sounds like that in you know in Michigan. I mean, you had yeah, like it's true. the Alliance before that, Hyde, Earthmover, Walls. You know what I like? They were all like super. I mean, heavier bands. You Tough. know. Talk right, right, idea. yeah. Like even even like Brent Brent's like side project, it's all gone to hell. Like oh, that's, yeah, I fucking love that's that. That's really album. good. That's really good stuff. But you know, it was different. It was definitely more of the Detroit lineage yeah, of like definitely. hardcore. You know, going back to the '90s. Like, yeah, we were we were kind of disconnected from that in a sense, and we and we wanted to be we because we were youth crew kids. You know, just to say, I don't know how else to say it. We were like no, youth yeah, crew yeah, gotcha. kids. That was our main love, but we still supported and loved the Mashi stuff. Like I remember seeing Hatebreed, hate like Satisfaction just came out and they played at the shelter opening for Bloodlight. There was 50 people there and every single person sang along. Yeah, it was dope. phenomenal. So like, I love that stuff. My true love was like Youth of Today and Bold and things like that. Like I still remember finding a Bold Speak Out cassette at uh, a local record store. And I, 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 put, I put that on in my car at the time and I knew I was like, this is this is me. Like if, if if there's a music that could express who I am, it was bold speak out. You know, I love all the other stuff and I support it, but this is me. You know, and I found a couple kids who were who kind of had similar feelings, uh-huh. and that's how that was what Coalition was. You know, like but we couldn't get the Detroit out of our out of our blood, and we didn't want to. But we were like youth through kids that were from Detroit, so here we are, like kind of mixing Earth Mover and Bold. You know, let's yeah, say definitely. you know for lack of better word. Definitely. So, like I said, 20 years on and what Ryan just mentioned, I think you'd be surprised as to how many people are, you know, want to hear Coalition. I think, I think even, even Cold as Life, they were surprised at how many people bought up the most recent represses that they did. Like, I don't know exactly the quantities. I know it was, they did like 313 of one of them. It was and pretty like, limited. Yeah. Oh yeah! Wow, that that sounds like to me. Like I'm like, wow, that sounds like a low quantity. Yeah. So yeah, like that's good. I'm glad they were. So they were pleasantly surprised with like the the respect that the oh, people I had buying to, their what, record. They went out. Wow, I didn't realize it was such a short time, run. Right. Mm, yeah, they went up as pre-orders and then came out down the road. It was uh, a three eight nine records yeah. that did the represses. You familiar with those? Is guys? it the is it the new Ron? Press, or are you talking about like Born to Land Hard? Um, they did Born to Land Hard first, and then they did yep. the demos and stuff with Ron recently. Yep. That one's the recent one, right? Yeah, like yeah. His Declination. Have you heard of Declination oh, coming dude. out? Like yeah. that final? Yeah. I've heard rumor. I haven't seen it confirmed yet, though. I have an okay, old CD that's that still. elusive record. Like yeah. I'd love to have a, a a new fresh copy of that one. Yeah, I have an old CD copy of it still, but to get the record would be sweet. Same with the demos. I had cool. a I had a CD copy of that as well, but I think they did a little remastering on the record when it came out and cleaned some stuff up, and it sounds I think better than the CD. Nice. Yeah, the demos the sound. The new demos one? sound awesome. Yeah. And those demo versions of some of those songs are some of my favorite yeah, versions yeah. of the songs too. Oh. I love it. I like when I was first getting into hardcore, like those were so hard to get those Ron demos or even like the Jeff singing demos, like later on, those yeah. were just, they were not easily available. I remember having like dubs of dubs of those and still like <laughs> thinking they were so awesome. Yeah. Like how much longer I could just listen to that song on repeat. Like that song. Yeah. It makes me want to, it makes me sad, but it also makes me want to fight yep. <laughs> like all at once. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a hardcore homeboy kind of guy. I can listen to that song over and over. Makes me think of my little brother. (laughs) 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 However you want to take that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
So I have a question going back to basement shows. Uh, You guys have played like quite a few basement shows and I think you kind of already answered this a little bit, but do you think that the smaller shows that you guys did, you were better received than playing at like a venue or something? And were they a little more personal to you or a better experience or? Hmm. I, I would say playing, let me, let me start by saying this leading up to a show in a basement I don't think you like myself. I don't think I had the same like initial excitement of maybe playing a show like at the shelter. Okay. Right, so right. like leading up to it, it's more chill. Like it's not that you're, you know, you're not, you just don't think much of it. You're like, Hey, we're going to go play in a basement. It's kind of like practice, right? Yeah, you don't feel as um, pressure. Playing at the shelter feels a little more official. So right. you're like a little, you know, little butterflies, you're taking it a little bit differently. Oh yeah. Like leading up. But when you actually play, like when it comes to like, let's say particular like reception, it's hard to say in a basement, things are small and typically pretty dark. Uh So that can give you the illusion of like intensity, even if nobody's even paying attention. Right. So I, I always enjoyed playing shows in basements because it only takes a handful of people to make it feel full. And when it feels full, there's like an undescribable energy that's kind of passed back and forth between let's say the band and the people that are there and you feel a little bit more free to be yourself because you're not on a stage right yeah you're not more comfortable front you're not like on a pedestal in a way you know like you're on the floor you're all equals you're one of them right and it feels different it feels really good so I would say playing in basements sometimes were surprisingly the best shows where like things just click and emotionally you just, you feel it just felt right. Um, Playing at places like St. Andrews of the shelter feel epic and it feels um, really important, you know, but you also feel like you're kind of, you kind of feel far away. You kind of feel distant. You kind of feel like, there's the opportunity for judgment, you know, like you're not together on this. You're separated by this wall and stage shelter, not so much, but like, you know what I mean? Like you're a little bit higher up. You feel a little bit like, yeah, you're, like you're looking over a crowd and the and stuff versus being face to face in a basement. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and because we weren't the type of band in Detroit to have people like piling on and singing along at every show, Yeah, you know what I mean? Like we like, playing locally in a basement always felt the best. So I'm glad you brought up that question. Cause that's, that's actually very interesting for me to kind of like revisit the difference of, you know, the different feeling of playing in a basement or in like a, a strange venue, like something that you, you wouldn't expect to be a venue at all compared to like this known place where like AFI played last week and good riddance is playing the next week. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, for us, I would say that playing in a basement you don't have that like Super Bowl week excitement leading up to it, but it feels so right and it feels so good. And you feel like you can be yourself more than playing those like epic venues and epic figuratively speaking yeah, for like hardcore, hardcore purposes, terms. you know? Yeah. 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 No, I hear you. So, yeah. So I, I think like locally, like basements were like our place. And I've heard some people like just through Instagram and stuff like that in the last month talk about, I saw you guys in a basement. You know, and that was the best. And I'm like, yeah, like that was, that was the best. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I, I have some good memories of 
playing in basements here, Philadelphia, wherever it's the case. Like I remember playing in Baltimore in a basement and I was kind of bummed. I was like, man, we're on tour in Baltimore we're playing in a basement, yeah. but it was awesome because the next time we played Baltimore, we played this big venue and nobody was there and it was really uh, awkward. You know? like, yeah. <laughs> so it was crowd. Cool. I think you so guys, basement. Is... Your, your first show that you booked was in a basement, if I read that correctly. Yeah. Yes. And you didn't yet have the band name Coalition when the flyer was made up. You guys were just listed as like number five or maybe maybe it yeah. was number four. But did you have the band name by the time the show happened or did you yes. get it afterwards? There, there is an alternate version of the flyer that has the name Coalition on it. Okay. So yeah, I, I don't remember that, exactly how that was close later to the on. show. Yeah, but like we were, everything moved so quick. Like I said, we clicked. We had that first practice. We had two songs and we were moving along. We felt good. We were ready to take on the world, you know, sort of feeling. So that show was, uh, yeah, in a basement. And uh, I don't remember a lot about it. I remember the band Capture the Flag played and I really liked them. Yeah, I remember that. They were sort of like an emo pop Mm -hmm. punk, you know, inspired band. And they had fast parts, which again, I know I said I love fast music so the fact that they had melody and fast parts oh man i love that and yeah, i love the singer love, voice right? he kind of had a, he had like a melodic voice but it was kind of like manly at the same time in a good way like it was really cool so anyways i love to catch the flag but yeah so we were playing around with names and we had three finalists the the finalists were coalition obviously the second was change we wanted like something really simple actually we had four it was coalition change uh the third one was expression not with an X, but EX, like the upfront song. And the fourth one was uh, Transfer. So the funny thing is, obviously, Change is one of my favorite current bands. So that's cool that that name's out there, you know, like now. Yeah. But that was a name that we considered. And Transfer became a band, a local emo band called The Transfer at the time of Coalition, who were awesome. I really loved them. They were like a mid tempo melodic emo you know kind of poppy punk band and we played with them often we even talked about doing a split with them they were really good their first drummer was actually the drummer of varsity so that was kind of how we were connected okay. and he said hey can we use the name transfer for our band and i was, or the transfer i was like yeah go for it because he he had heard through alex or something that like that was a name that i had come up with for a possibility that could have been coalition alternate name or something so that would yeah have been so we didn't have a name transfer we were booked that's cool man but but it gave us a goal and we got it and i like coalition i still do to this day it's simple yeah. oh yeah it's little simple. did i know there was a band up. in poland there was a band in poland at the same time that was using that name and they're kind of like a punk hardcore band i think they're on spotify too but you know they were in poland so it didn't really matter you know <laughs> but we didn't know that at the time obviously i didn't know that until recently I yeah. found another One Life crew that's like a hip hop group. It's just so weird, dude. Oh like, wow! When I had, if I have it mixed in, like on, it was yeah. all mixed in my uh, media on the computer, mm-hmm. and I'm like, they didn't even write this many songs, and it's playing through, you know. <laughs> and then it's like, this is not One Life crew. And then of course I got to the bottom of it. I've had that happen before. So too. weird. Actually, yeah. I was searching for the Co-Defendants project yeah. that just came out. I was searching for records for the store for that, and there's a hip hop group named the Co-Defendants. And so I was like, oh, this ain't this makes ain't things fucking difficult. band. And it's funny you say that because there's a hip hop band called Coalition that's why my too. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Yep. You know, there's always a hip hop equivalent somewhere. It, it, it makes it fun. It's hard to 
land on a band name with so much stuff out there. Like we we just interviewed a band by the name of Majesties, and mm-hmm. then their other band named is Obsequie, which is like okay. a, a Latin word. But we we got into details about their name and stuff, and they were kind of like, yeah, we had to search the corners of the internet to make sure nobody took Majesties and blah blah blah. Like in this day and age, like it's hard to find something that hasn't been taken yet. Yeah, that's what like there's a uh, I think they're current. There's a metallic maybe metalcore. I'm not sure what I'd call them. Band called Coalition in Rochester, New York. Oh, um, like that's hey, take the name, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> It's we don't like, own it uh, right <laughs> like cutthroat yeah like, cutthroat. there's like five of those yeah. we, we were talking sure. about that on the upstate thing yeah i had that yeah, sometimes all those simple names you know like it's just they're great but obviously you're not gonna be the only one to think about them uh-huh. you know, right. to think of them or to think they're sweet and then usually when you do find something that nobody else thought of people are like what the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's oh, <laughs> true yeah it is it's definitely getting harder right as time goes by and there's more bands there's more names that have been used so soon we're gonna just have to use like automatic like name generators <laughs> yeah chat gpc yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. i want to ask what are some of your favorite memories of just detroit hardcore shows that weren't your own mm. i would say that hate breed one i referenced earlier yeah. The first time. I don't know if it was the first time they came to Detroit, to be honest. I think they may have come. They put out that seven inch on Smorgasbord. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if they were here before their victory days, but I saw them open for Bloodlet, like I said, at the shelter, and they played pretty early. So there wasn't a lot of people there, but it was just like every song, every single person who was there knew every word. Like I've never seen anything like that except for Bane, maybe. Right. Like Bane shows it. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Bane. Bane shows are like <laughs> Yeah, like dude. Crazy. My wife and Bane's I awesome. have seen Bane twice and we took our kid to the second time. And are there are there like more recent shows? Like I haven't I haven't seen Bane in a long time. I'm assuming it's still the same. It like, was people, it they're was they're special. How many years dude I get because okay, like this whole 20 year thing stopping it, it, well that and there's a lot of bands that I were like, like this is our last tour and then they do another tour yeah. and then yeah so and then, my wife and i saw bane and lansing on their last tour but then they did mm. another last tour the <laughs> following like year or whatever and then we took our son and he was like five he's 50 so that's like 10 years ago okay yeah yeah, makes sense but i have that's seen that cool. they've kind of been recently playing again and i also saw mm-hmm. that one King Down is out playing yeah. again. It's just crazy. Pretty cool. Bane was That's in, pretty cool. They're not on Tied Down Fest this year, are they? No. I keep no. forgetting the lineup for the whole thing. Trapped Under Ice, Gorilla yeah. Biscuits. Are you going are you gonna try to check that out, Tied Down Fest? I would love to go, yes. I believe yeah. uh Jason and I are going for sure. Ogre. Zilkowski. So it's amazing what those Edgeman guys have been able to put together the last few years. I never even the shows that they're having Biscuits. at the shop. I'm sure you guys, if you haven't been yet, you've probably seen some videos like Drain last November. Oh, like, Drain's the shit. Dude, it was it was insane. Like, I've never seen it. Okay, so, like, it's different now. Like, it's bigger, I feel like. I feel like hardcore is, like, has grown in Detroit. I, I kind of had, like, like a blackout era where, you know, like, I got married, had kids, and, like, I'm, I'm kind of coming back. And it's, like, right. some of these shows, you know, it could be a Thursday night at Edgeman, and 
the place is like filled with oh, hundreds shit. of kids and it's, yeah. there's like energy galore. So, and then one step closer was with soul blind in January and it was packed again on a Thursday night and it was awesome, you know? So yeah, De- Detroit is hardcore awesome. is pretty, yeah, it's pretty, pretty sweet. I mean, you still have like the shows where like you might have 25 or 30 people show up, but like there is some great opportunity, you know, for big shows here and Edgemen are like at the front kind of like leading, like giving the opportunities for not just the hardcore community, but for bands who are traveling and local to have a venue to play where they're going to get paid decent, you know, because they're opening up their own storehouse, you know, to them to play. And that's what breeds a great scene, man, a great venue. I mean, gotta have it. For sure. I think it's just like the beginning of like, you know, good things. Like we've already seen some great things, but I think it's going to keep, you know, keep getting better. I, I really and hope tied so, down, Tied down not going anywhere, you know, like, yeah. you know, the numbers are staggering. Like I, that, like how I many said, I never, I never thought I'd ever have the opportunity to even see Gorilla Biscuits. You know, I thought that was like, sure. a, yeah, I'd just see it in pictures and read about it in books. You know what I'm saying? And then, yeah. oh. They're it's playing real. Detroit in 2023. What the fuck is going Crazy, on? Crazy, right? I think how many <laughs> how many bands over the pandemic either yeah. formed or like kind of got back in touch with each other and started playing yeah. again. And I think that attributed to the growing scene as well. I am sure because people were more hungry to get out there and start playing shit. Yeah, that's for sure. So it's uh it's exciting. It's definitely thriving, and there's just there's so many different like types of hardcore right now you know that there's something for everyone you know like i love it all but if you don't you're gonna find something you love at your average show at edgeman it's gonna you're gonna have that's different great types that of hardcore they're awesome yeah you know for sure and I mean, like soul blind that's how it was up one here. step closer like that like soul blind's not quite a hardcore band but like you know i'd say they're hardcore adjacent they got some heaviness and groove and stuff like that and obviously like they tour with one step closer it's so not like they have the attitude to connected and the uh yeah. the morals of a hardcore band anyway right right so it's it's cool it's different in a good way than it was you know let's say 20 years ago uh there's definitely a lot more room to include different like I, i'm hearing a lot of like shoegaze types of bands that are like playing on labels that have hardcore bands also it's really cool you know like yeah, all these new these new labels that are like kind of the, these they kind of have a, i don't know if they're younger but they kind of have a younger feel they're kind of doing these differently it's really exciting to be like new morality zine sunday drive records you know like just those two in particular like the just the diversity of genre like within you know their roster man like they're putting out some awesome stuff like and it's exciting like the formats are all like crazy like it could be late it could be cassette it could be oh, a 12 inch right like it's just like it's I've different and they're and they're hustling i feel like HX. they're like hustling i feel like mm-hmm. that's the future like i think i feel like those two labels are good examples of like really like being flexible and they're like really moving along I think that's going to be like help them to reach even more, you know, newer heights of success moving forward. But um, yeah, it's hardcore's pretty awesome right now. It wasn't back then, obviously I loved it, but like, it's, it's really in a good place right now. Like the bands are, 
are so much like they're so good like you can't get away with being an average band the way you could you know 20 years ago like it's it's there's the bar has definitely been raised you oh know? yeah for like sure. on recordings on like songwriting and that's for the better it's really awesome oh yeah when i started uh my first band we did a demo on a karaoke machine dude like with the microphone hanging in the middle of the room <laughs> Like, but isn't know, there a 16, party that like fucking... loves it that like that was an option that's awesome and, you know like yeah, that's yeah, so yeah. Punk, you know and then we had it on a tape and somehow i'd still somebody converted it to cd and it sounds like shit to this day but it's <laughs> but like but you special. said it's a memory and it's special right yes absolutely that's your turn to frame that's my turn to frame <laughs> got it right <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead and ask the podcast yeah, question go. here. Uh, you said you listened to a couple episodes, so you probably heard us ask somebody else's too. But Jeremy and I like to ask this to everybody just because we're fans of all different styles of music. Sure. What are some of the things, if there are any, that are outside of the wheelhouse of like hardcore and uh, punk and stuff that you listen to that people wouldn't expect? Hmm. Or some guilty pleasure, like yeah. you secretly listen to Kenny G, like, Sunday evenings with a want like with a whatever sure. I don't know. Motherfucker's smooth, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I I'm gonna go with um, one of my biggest like influences in music, and uh, it goes back to when I was in elementary school, and I, I I was a hockey player, and I actually won the state championship in Alpena back in '96. So Get out of here. I remember that was that was a pretty special time. But anyways, um. I bet your picture. Yeah, I was in elementary school and I had a buddy on the hockey team, and his sister was in college, and she was rocking The Cure in New Order in particular, and Pesh Mode, stuff like that. Oh, dude. And I became obsessed with New Order substance. And it was probably 1988 when I heard it for the first time. So this is, you know, they came out in 87, whatever. She was, think about how cool this girl must have been. I loved it so much, and she gave me her cassette her new order substance 87 cassette and back yeah you could fit that double lp on one cassette that's how cool cassettes were right it was a super long cassette but i i loved it and she also got me into the cure and i think it was kiss me kiss me kiss me was like the first cure that i was exposed to because it was 1988 right um so my first ever concert i went and went to first ever live music i somehow convinced my mom when i was in fourth grade to take me to the palace of Auburn Hills uh-huh. to see the Cure's prayer for prayers for rain tour. That's I was just a regular dude, hockey player. That's one hell kid. of a first concert. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it was epic, right? Like yeah. in the true sense of the word. I like I was probably wearing like spandex shorts, you know, <laughs> and like a hockey shirt. And my mom took me, and I walked in, and I had no idea what I was getting into. Like yeah. everybody looked like Robert Smith. They had the hair, the makeup, and yeah, they were doing yeah. these like fancy move arm movement <laughs> that was like a type of dance like i was nine years old like it was it was awesome like indifferent and scary and the the sound was just booming even like i was sitting up like in the upper deck but it's still like it was so big sounding so the cure are are humongous for me now i have a particular era of the cure that today to this day i listen to over and over and over again and it's it's a very particular time it's 80 through 82 that's probably okay so like those are like. my those are my high years of like the cure as an adult as a kid i would have said head on the door you know japanese whispers you know stuff like that like but like now it's like 17 seconds yeah faith, faith. pornography yep yeah the yeah. goth rock era 
if he the would. goth rock era. Yeah. Pornography is my favorite album of all time, and uh, Siamese Twins is my favorite song of all time. I could listen to that song all the time. It's creepy. There's actually a there's actually like a old BBC like ballet like it's almost like a avant-garde ballet like creepy ballet to it uh like dance set to the live music of the cure playing that song and it's really creepy and awesome so check it out on youtube it's it's awesome i actually converted it just to like mp3 so i could just listen to it because i think there's like live cellos i forget it's been a while since i've since i've uh, watched the video but it's 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 a little bit different version but it's it's powerful. That's awesome. So I, I, I love, I love the cure. I obviously love new order and stuff like that. You know, I might not look like it. I don't dig super deep into the history. I just like kind of letting, letting like, you know, the songs of 17 seconds in faith and stuff like that. I just kind of like letting them be a mystery and letting them be haunted. I don't need to know everything, right. you know, like some people are super fans where they want to know every detail. I like the mystery, the, the, the mystery because that is mysterious era. Those dudes, I don't even think they know what was going on, at least during 82, right? Like, they they were, like, so high on drugs and, and fighting and stuff like that. But, like, oh, that yeah, is some animal. of the most magical music I've ever heard in my life. Oh. But, um, so Guilty Pleasure, that, so that's my favorite. Okay. Music. I would say Guilty Pleasure, I... I'm not really embarrassed by it. I, I actually really like it. And I actually like play, I'll play this stuff while my kids are brushing their teeth and I'll like dance around all silly with them. Yeah, yeah. But I love eighties electro funk. So I love nucleus. I love planet patrol. I love man parish and John's and crew. That's awesome. I even going back even a little bit like, like precursor. I love the gap band. Like I love this funk that has like this new electronic, sensibility like yeah. added into it i could listen to it all the time like i was singing with my six-year-old today oh sheila today you know that's like i i love that stuff right and part of it too is that music's kind of an intersection of a couple other things that i really love i love old break dancing videos you know i love watching the breakers you know old videos and stuff like that which are you know like planet patrol playing in the background I love breakdown or uh, breakdance like style and culture from like the early to mid eighties. Yeah, the B boys. Um, but I also love the the the, the pure hip hop that was coming out. I love Treacherous Three, Houdini, and even going up a little bit more. I I really like EMPD, you know, like stuff like that. And then even you know, like in by extension, I love a tribe called Quest and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, so there's kind of like uh, you know this electro funk kind of like is an intersection for me of like pop culture but then like there's like the kind of like the hip-hop element you know yeah that, that was like that's, the like nucleus is a early great on hip-hop before it was even known to be hip-hop at the time yeah. I mean, they were they were sampling exactly. that stuff and chopping it up and putting little rhymes over it and whatnot so that was like the gateway into all that like tribe called quest got me into jazz nice which completely makes sense. You're like, where are these bass lines coming from? Yeah. Right? I mean, and we're saying bass. We're saying, like, real stand-up bass, you know? Yeah, this, like this Ron Carter awesome. and stuff like that, like walking bass lines, Paul Chambers, mm-hmm. et cetera. It, um, it was perfect music for that, what they were trying to make out of it. And same with funk, too. Like, you talked about those bands, and, like, Brothers Johnson would be another one with, like... So good crazy bass lines and stuff and it just I, I love all that stuff myself and along with the cure too so i did want to ask though going back to the cure are you going to see them for their last tour that they're doing coming up 
I wish I could. I just can't afford it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit out of my my ballpark, you know. But I, it, it would be the type of thing where if it was offered to me, you know, You'd be reasonably, yeah. I would I would be there in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're an but, amazing live band. I've never gotten to see them live, but I've seen and watched plenty of videos. And, like, I remember Bowie's uh, concert video where he brought out Robert Smith and other people like Lou Reed and whatnot. And uh, Robert Smith's just a phenomenal musician. His, his, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a unique talent. Like, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, there's no one, no one like him. That's, that's the cure, you know? Like, you can't, you, 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 you can say you're influenced by them, but nobody can, nobody can rip them off. You can try as hard as you want, but you are not Robert Smith. (laughs) Yeah. That is that's a very good point. That is one band that cannot be imitated. You can't. You literally cannot that's imitate that band. Point. Like yeah, I can I can I can imitate floor punch. Yeah, I can imitate that. I can't I can't imitate, yeah. you know. Yeah, I can I can do a throwdown song, you know, right yeah, now. Yeah, right. But you can't do you can't do the cure. But, you know, I I am not doing any uh boys don't cry, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> I would act that Which would I do awesome I do like that era too. I like the three imaginary boy stuff. I like it's a little bit more punky, but yeah, the goth yeah. stuff. The goth stuff, it just man. Now, seventeen seconds is one of my uh, I'm it's right up there with one of my favorite albums too. And by it's the cure the song, that would seventeen be my, seconds. Yeah. The whole album really. I mean it just the whole album, but that song, the way it closes things out is yeah. so good. It's just like my that's like my rainy day record. It's yeah, it complements all of what raindrops sound like, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, man. I don't really uh, have anything else here no, for man, you, Jeremy. Yeah. You got other questions? We've been talking for a while. Yeah. Um, I just looked down at the time and didn't even realize it had been <laughs> no, an hour and been a half a already. Awesome chat, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I really, really appreciate you guys escorting me down memory lane like this. It's been super fun and interesting, and you guys have been great hosts. I appreciate your time. Hey man, I appreciate you your time and uh, opening up about shit that nobody in the world has any idea about until now. Yeah, yeah. This is, <laughs> you said this was your first podcast. So. Yeah, definitely. So it, awesome. Yeah, one hundred percent first podcast. Yeah, so I haven't talked about this stuff with anybody for a long time, except maybe kind of DMing former right. band members and stuff. So yeah, it's it's really really cool. That was the whole point with the with the Instagram account was to just kind of share share the story and by the way the instagram account i'm moving it along at lightning speed i'm posting all the time because i know my energy is going to run out eventually so i want (laughs) to hurry up and tell the story chronologically as fast as possible so that i can just kind of let it rest and then like as things pop up i can add them but i want to get the story out there because i got the energy right now right like i like like i've got the desire i'm really excited about it that doesn't always last forever so i'm going to get it i'm going to keep going breakneck speed three posts a day you know like i'm I'm going crazy but it's fun i'm really enjoying it right now so and and this this, uh, and and having you get the story out there for sure a a great honor to like kind of highlight you know some of the stuff that uh we did and um just kind of getting the music heard one one more time yeah (laughs) yeah because it's not like you could write a post as long as the dialogue for this episode's been so it's cool to get the story out there in a format that you can you know take with you and listen somewhere and uh, fans of the band i'm sure will be happy to hear it 
And you guys are from Alpina, which is one of the band's most special memories is playing three times up there. So that's another reason why I was like, no brainer. Like, I, yeah, I appreciate be, this that, is, man. That, that was the biggest, one of the biggest surprises in all of coalition history was that first show at that rec center and the excitement of all the kids. Yeah, it was awesome. So I'll, ne- I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the barn. I'll never forget the outdoor show. It was all pleasant memories. And yeah, you guys took good care of us. So I appreciate that. So it's a, that's why I say it's, it really is an honor to, to be asked to, to chat with you guys. Well, yeah. as, a, uh, Great times. as a fan and a, a young hardcore kid back then, your words had a very positive uh, influence on me and got me, you know, through, you know, stupid bullshit when you're a kid or shit that you don't really, you know, you need to deal with. So thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. Sometimes you don't know, you know, like sometimes I'm like, oh, these lyrics are stupid or timely, but you know, no, like dude, that. I love make, that. You take that your hard door full of shit, it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear me? I love that. Line. That's an awesome opening line, dude. That was a pretty cool song. That was a fun one to play. Yeah, that's uh, like I lie. said, that's my favorite song. <laughs> you just unleash yeah, on it. that one. But uh, yeah, man, it was awesome talking to you, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. For sure. Ryan, Jeremy, you guys are awesome. Appreciate yeah. what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. You enjoy the rest of your day. You as well. Take Bye, it guys. easy.